Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone. The internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. No, none of those things. Uh, Once again, Simon Tierney uh, joins us to talk about the airbag. I'm actually surprised we haven't spoken about the airbag before. I'm surprised too, Sean. Do you have an airbag? I assume so. Do you own an airbag? I assume so. I don't know. You probably own many. I've never uh, been in a... I've never been in a crash where an airbag was deployed, so I assume... No. Thank uh, goodness. Well, well, thank goodness. But no, my car does have the panel things on it. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many airbags are in your car. Um, Depending on the year, of course. Um, The newer it is, the more airbags it'll have. And where do they have them? They're like um, they're like Gillette razors, you know. They just increase the amount the of number. the number. Uh, do they, like, the they have them on the sides? Oh and stuff yeah, as well? yeah. Well, you have side collision, rear collision, frontal collision, everything. Um, I think my I the car that I drive, I think, has about six airbags in it. Crikey! Yeah, um, like I remember when my parents got a car in the 90s and I remember noticing that it had an airbag which was very fancy in Ireland for a car to have an airbag in the early 90s. It was only in the early 90s that airbags became kind of standardised in the EU. Mm. So it's quite a recent history, much older in America which I'll get to in a moment. Yeah. But in those days it would have just exclusively have been the the driver. Everyone else was sacrificed to the road. Just the driver would survive. (laughs) Now of course everyone gets one. Well, the, the, but there were seatbelts. So uh, was there a perception that, that, that an airbag could do something a seatbelt couldn't? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good question. And it's interesting because the history of the two are, are quite tied in. And we've discussed the history of the seatbelt on mm. this uh, series before. And the industry's and indeed the consumer's distrust of seatbelts was repeated uh, with airbags. People thought that they were dangerous. And indeed, they were Initially, um, because you got a, basically a, a massive balloon of rock hard air in your face um, until they, you know, with a, a, lo- a lot of nuance, they managed to make them, them safe. But, mm. you know, airbags, they can injure you. Yeah. Um, they're deployed so, so quickly. Um, so wh- where did it start, um, Sean? It all starts in the 1950s in America. Um, unlike the seatbelt, which was invented here in Europe by Volvo, of course, um, the airbag was initially the idea of a retired engineer by the name of John Hetrick. 1952, he was in a, a minor car crash. No, Nobody died, but he realised that when uh, impact happened, his reaction um, his intuition meant that he put his arms up to prevent his daughter coming through the back seat. Uh-huh. Of course, at that time, people didn't wear seatbelts in the back or the front mm. of the car. So children would often go through that middle section. Um, and he thought, OK, well, there has to be a way to do this. So he came up with what he described as the safety cushion assembly for automo- automotive vehicles. Still wasn't called an airbag at that stage. And the way it worked is, now this was never put into manufacture because it was flawed, although it was a brilliant idea. So it was very, very influential. Um He put a tank of compressed air in the bonnet and uh, there was a valve that was activated in the case of um, a sudden impact. Now, how does the car know that it should release this valve? It Mm. knew it because there was a spring-loaded weight 
in the bonnet as well, uh, which would activate the uh, the valve and would cause the compressed air to inflate this airbag. Of course, it was too slow. Um, you know, the accident had basically happened by the time the airbag would yeah. deploy. And at this time, the 1950s, everyone realised that Hetrick's idea was brilliant, but it was very difficult to know how do we deploy this fast enough that it actually has an effect. People were inventing airbags, which were uh, you had to pull a you had to pull a rope, and they would deploy. So you kind of basically had to go <laughs> right. I'm about to crash, so I'm going to pull this um, th- this coil and and hope for the best. I mean that you know it's obviously ridiculous in, in retrospect, but everything changed with a man called Alan Breed. Sean, this was in 1967. He finally developed a sensor that was able to deploy an airbag fast enough. And the way he did this was he used an electromagnetic sensor, which was combined with a tiny chemical micro explosive. And his airbag was able to deploy in 30 milliseconds, right? 30 milliseconds is very, very fast. There's a thousand milliseconds in one second and his deployed in 30 out of a thousand. Yeah. So it's an extraordinarily that is, fast. Because I suppose also the, the difficulty must have been having some sort of sensor that knows when it's a crash and, and having the right kind of setting on it, if you like, for want of a better phrase, so that it's not going off randomly if, you, if say, you stop suddenly and, and the car thinks there's a crash. You're absolutely right. And that really, it leads us on to the amount of testing that was done with these. I mean, this is the 1960s. It wasn't really until the late 80s, early 90s that they became standard. So there's a period there of... Um, sort of 20, 25 years where all the car companies, especially in Europe and in America, were doing a huge amount of research using crash test dummies and airbags. Mm. And the two, both of their history is quite interlinked in, in, that, um, in that period. And what we see happening, Sean, is that... Uh, the first airbag to be produced commercially was in a General Motors car, actually. Um, it was the Oldsmobile Tornado, um, which is a classic 1970s um, American car. And they had an airbag in it as standard from 1973. By 1977, they removed the system out of the car. This is exactly what happened when Ford introduced their seatbelt system in the 1950s. They were the first company in America to introduce seatbelts. A few years later, they took them out. Why? Because consumers didn't want them. Hmm. And the research wasn't there to back up how uh, useful they were. The, the, The data wasn't there. However, fatalities were increasing all the time and the car companies began to realise that, look, the future is going to demand that we have airbags in in our cars. Maybe not now, but eventually. So all the car companies in the 70s and 80s, they're all doing enormous amount of laboratory uh, and crash test dummy research mm. on the efficacy of different airbag systems. Are they only also using animals during this period? 
Yeah, so in 1991, the New York Times did an expose, which I came across over the weekend, Sean, and they said, quote unquote, about 19,000 dogs, rabbits, pigs, ferrets, rats and mice have been killed during the last decade. So that's 81 to 91 in automobile safety tests performed by General Motors. One car company, 19,000 animals. So the the way this happened, and a lot of car companies did this, Sean, is that um, the crash test dummies weren't as sophisticated as they are now. So they used live animals. They euthanized the animals so that they weren't uh, trying to get out, but they were strapped using seatbelts to the cars and then they were used as crash test dummies. Um, The smaller the animal, the more it came to represent a child passenger or a woman passenger or a large animal would represent a male passenger. Yeah. And I also noticed there was a bit of a back and forth there on Twitter about the the the, the, the actual dummies, whether they were representations of men and, and women. Yeah. The women one looked, just looked like a small man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was in, uh, it was General Motors as well in the 70s who they introduced the world's first uh, dummy which could be used for crash testing it was called the Hybrid 3 made of steel aluminium and rubber but what's fascinating about it is that for most of the history of crash test dummies they have been essentially male dummies the 50th percentile the average American man is what the Hybrid 3 um, was representing so what was that in 1976 the average American man and this dummy was five foot nine and twelve stone. So this is what was used and is still largely used to this day, not just hmm. in an American context, but also in an EU context. As far as I can see, there are no anthropometrically accurate female dummies used in EU auto testing to this day, which is extraordinary. And this has a profound impact on how vulnerable women are in cars compared to men. Uh, and why so? Is it because maybe if you're a bit smaller, the airbag should come out further or something like that? Yeah, so airbags um, affect different body sizes and the way we move our bodies in very different ways. Um, whiplash being a really important example of mm. that. Women uh, uh, and the way an airbag deploys the whiplash can have a different effect on women. So it's really important. And there is a, a growing movement um, about time, really, to demand that the European Union changes its auto regulations to make sure that testing is done both on female crash test dummies and male crash test dummies. Because at the moment, we know from studies in America that women are 76%, an incredible figure, more likely to suffer serious injuries while driving a car than men are. And 17% more likely to die in a car crash than men are. Now, I'm not saying that's all down to airbag technology and crash test dummies being, um, you know, biased towards men. But I'm saying that that is having an impact. And this is part of a much wider problem of the world we live in being designed by men for men. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Uh, but it seems surprisingly late then that airbags became common in Europe and in Ireland. Yeah, it is surprising, Sean. But, you know, uh, like I said before, 
I think it was around mm, 1979, 1980 that seatbelts became compulsory in this country um, just for the driver and the passenger. That mm-hmm. is not for the people in the back. I never wore a seatbelt when I was a child in the <laughs> yes. back of a car. I, in fact, I remember my parents' cars didn't even have seatbelts in the yeah. back. Um, so, yeah, when you look at it in that way, you know, we kind of take for granted nowadays that cars have these things as standard, but mm. it really wasn't. Like in Europe, the first ever car in Europe to have a seat, uh, an airbag in the passenger seat, the front passenger seat, was, um, it was actually a Porsche um, and it was the 944 in 1987. That was the first car that provided an airbag outside of the one uh, that the driver was using. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it is recent technology, but it's hard to imagine us going backwards now. Yeah. So depending on the age of the car, and I see somebody say, is there an airbag in the the, uh, the back of the front two seats for the passengers in the rear? That, that, that depends then on, on how old your car is. Yeah. So that information would be in the manual in your glove compartment. But um, uh, from what I can see is that the more... The newer the car, the more likely there are to be more and more airbags, particularly mm. ones in the back seats, uh, which would be in the headrests, I imagine, um, and ones on the side and all the rest. Um, if you're driving like a 1993 Yaris or something, I don't know what yeah. how many airbags would be in that. Now, there was a problem in the past, I remember, that um, people were worried that, God, you know, uh, do airbags expire? Because, you know, yeah. so like I've had my car for 22 yeah. years, are the airbags still working? And there's no way to test them. There were concerns about older cars that their airbags might expire over time. Um, so that is a concern for sure. But I, I, I have noted that with modern cars, they don't. Uh, expire. I mean, you know, new cars from the yeah. last few years. I've always also wondered that in certainly in the front of the car, you know, the, there's a piece where there's kind of a rectangle where, you know, on the passenger side where it says airbag. Uh, does that smash you in the face? Yes, I was wondering yeah. that as well. Well, there's only one way to find out, but <laughs> I'm not particularly keen on doing that. Uh, and Garrett in Galway says, um, uh, on the subject of airbags, getting a van and as it's a commercial, they only had a bag for the driver. Uh, it's to do with the cost in keeping the van cheap. It's 400 quid for the passengers, uh, which I paid for as I like most of the lads that work for me. So, wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the lads that work for Garrett and Galway are, you know, some... <laughs> though if you, if there's one chap who works for Garrett, he's always put on the same seat in that van. <laughs> you might know that's the answer. You might know now why. Uh, Simon, thanks a million for coming into us. Simon Tierney, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief. On News Talk.